The following program, the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show, is paid for in full by Acunet Mortgage, LLC, an equal housing lender, consumeraccess.org, number 255368. The advice and opinions expressed during the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show are solely that of the hosts and guests of Acunet Mortgage, LLC, and not WTMJ or Good Karma Brands. Welcome to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show getting you inside information on buying, selling, and financing your home with expert advice from AccuNet Mortgage and Realty. And now, here's Brian and David Wickert. Welcome to the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show. I'm Brian Wickert, the licensed real estate broker at AccuNet Realty Advisors, and I'm also the majority owner at AccuNet Mortgage, along with my son, David, who's one of our senior loan consultants, managing owner, and chief plan experience officer. If you got a question or a comment, you can call or text us on the old National Bank Talk and Text Line, which is 855-616-1620, old National Bank, get old. You can also grab a podcast, today's show, wherever you grab your podcast normally. Hey, David, thanks for filling in last week with uh, your brother-in-law, my son-in-law, uh, Tim Holdman. You guys did a great job as usual. Thank well, you. Your mother and I were you up catching in? some big... Okay. Well, on the podcast. It was not okay. available on Kissing Lake in the middle of Manitoba, actually the left-hand side of Manitoba, where we did wow. catch some big northern pike, like 40 inches. So that was a lot of fun. Hey, uh, so this was a uh, looking to be a pretty ugly week for mortgage rates um, until Friday. What to Give us the recap. What, why, why were they bad, and then why did they get good well, or better? Well, so um, the narrative would be last week the Federal Reserve air quotes raised rates they raised one rate their fed funds rate a quarter yep. of a percent expected then during the news conference chair powell said we are going to be data dependent okay well then mm -hmm. this week we there was some data and i'm just going to describe it blanketly as data but that data as we progressed through this week was like oh yeah we're kind of we're kind of tackling inflation still but nothing that would lead rates to rally in our favor and so we kind of kept yeah, yeah we kind of kept slipping away and slipping away and slipping away and then friday morning i was tuned in uh at 7 30 for the jobs report every first friday or most every first friday the bureau of labor statistics puts out the jobs report that number came in at 187,000 new jobs in America in the month of July. Okay. That was kind of mediocre. Well, you know, what was the expectation? It's always, hey, what was the market expecting? Yeah, a market was expecting 200. So came in just light of that number. And so that, it, what was funny is I was on my computer watching markets react to this mediocre-ish number. And right away, there are some reports that come out and markets react. They snap, you know, and react. Immediately. Immediately. Yeah. This was kind of like a uh, an avalanche or like a slow. At first, it was like, eh. And then, and then over the next 15, 30, 45 minutes, markets decided, like, you know what? This is actually good news. Well, 
Good news, good news for interest rates. <laughs> right. Good news exactly. for interest rates because the enemy of interest rates is a too strong economy. Why? If if there were 400,000 people getting jobs in a month, right. that's a lot more spending power in the economy in general. And if you got a lot of people spending money, guess what that does to the costs of goods and services? It drives it up. That's called yep. inflation. And inflation is the enemy of interest rates, as we've said, well, maybe 10,000 times on this show. Yeah. So, uh, so we had a little bit of a reprieve, which is great. I haven't seen any of the big folks change their forecasts yet, meaning Fannie Mae or the Mortgage Bankers Association, uh, relative to where they think interest rates are going, which the answer is down. But that's predicated on the economy slowing down, meaning higher unemployment or fewer jobs. Oh, by the way, the unemployment rate went down a tick to 3.5%. And the other number in all that, that interest rate markets were watching was how much did people's um, income go up, wage growth? The answer to that was 4.4% year over year in July. So that's hotter than the 2% inflation number the Fed is looking for. And so, you know, the bottom line is that we're kind of waiting for this economy to slow down. It's not happening. What's that play that you brought to my attention the other day? Something waiting for? Yes, waiting for Godot. I heard uh, Steve Leisman on CNBC described this as the Godot recession. We're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. Will it ever arrive? Hence the Godot reference. Okay, and Godot is a play where the character named Godot never shows up that is correct, in the play. Yes. They're always waiting yes. for Godot. Well, and in fact, this week in a bunch of financial uh, articles that I read, now there's talk of this perfect soft landing, meaning that, hey, <laughs> you know what? The Fed is going to get inflation to cool down without causing a recession, without causing unemployment to go up. So it's just more waiting. And, and in the meantime, we're still seeing people buy houses. It's yes. kind of like... To, to enough home buyers, the interest rates don't matter. Do you still agree with that? Absolutely. Well, and the advice we provide is that your current mortgage today is not a life sentence. And so if the opportunity presents itself in the future to make that money cheaper, lower, smarter, better, we're going to do it. But you have to buy the house first to be yeah. able to refinance in the future. Well, and a lot of people you know, are still sitting there think, well, you know, prices got to come down. Prices are too high. There's still too much competition. Let's talk about that and also take a look at the July uh, home sale numbers from the Greater Milwaukee Association of Realtors Multiple Listing Service. We'll do that right when we come back. You're listening to the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show on AM620 WTMJ. Home buying advice from the guys who know it best. This is the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. Welcome back and thanks for tuning in to this week's show. Um, we were just talking about interest rates uh, coming back towards us a little bit, a little bit lower than they had been earlier in the week, which is a good thing. By the way, 6.99% uh, on a 30-year fixed rate is in the cards uh, at an APR of 7.06 because you just have to pay a schnibble of points that's on the median-priced home in the five-county Milwaukee area of $330,000 with uh, 25% down, so you'd be borrowing a little bit less than $250,000. And so, David, um, the home sales in July, uh, that is home sales facilitated by a member of the National Association of Realtors and therefore captured in the multiple listing service data, uh, they were down down 21% from July of last year. 
Uh, that means that there were 444 fewer closed sales compared to July of 2022. In total, 1,662 two properties changed hands. The median sales price, as I just mentioned, was 330000 bucks, And that median price, which, David, what's the definition of median? Uh, half of the units were below that and half of the units were above that number. That's right. So our $330,000 median price, and that's a blend, by the way, of condos and single-family detached homes together. That is up twenty grand from last year, and on a percentage basis, that's up six point five percent. If you want to compare July to June, we are one hundred and fifty-three sales fewer. So sales came down, and by the way, that's the same pattern as uh, last year. Uh, July was slightly fewer than uh, June. Um, if you want to look at uh, listings. That's the supply side of things. There were 577 fewer homes and condos listed for sale in the entire five-county Milwaukee metro area. That's 23% less than in July. And uh, compared last to last year. Compared to last year. Okay. Yep. Last month's uh, listings totaled 1,911. Uh, which is more than the number that sold, right? I just told you that 1,662 sold. So the good news is there's more listings than sales. So inventory mm -hmm. is growing a little bit, but it was 270 fewer listings than what came on the market in June. David, how are your buyers that you've been helping? And you've been helping a lot of people succeed. Yeah. What are they reporting on their front lines in terms well, of... Well, I will give you that. I just want to observe on your home appreciation this July compared to last July. Yeah. I definitely had clients last July say, I'm going to wait you know, for rates, home values, etc. Okay, well, if you waited from last July to this July, your rate is higher were, and, mm -hmm. and you are paying more for the same square footage. And so there are clients out there who might be deciding, you know what, I'm going to wait until summer of 2024. Yep. With the same logic, I do not hope that rates go higher from here compared to next summer. But even if they're the same, uh, you're, there is no reprieve on home value. And I would tell you probably next year, you're going to get to pay more for the same amount of square footage yet again, if you decide well, to wait. It's the simplest economic law that there is, supply and demand. There is nothing, at least in southeastern Wisconsin, that is going to cause the supply of homes to skyrocket. And so the only thing that that uh, wait-and-see buyer is hoping is that there will be fewer buyers. So that, that Which is if a... rates If rates come down next year, I think as we had said in some previous week, if rates come down, do you think fewer people are going to re-enter as buyers in that market? I think not. there'll be more. There will be more. Do you have any sense right now, David, that there are a few fewer buyers? Is that why your buyers are having success these last couple of weeks? I've been looking at your new application counts, and thank yeah. you very much. You're doing a great job. Hey, yeah, no problem. Um, I, I think it's m mood. Well, it's so because you know, Dad, you're describing a five-county market. There is no such thing. It's. Oh, you! I had a client I spoke to on Thursday night at 8 p.m. Hey, guess what? There's a beautiful new home going on the market in Wauwatosa, right around the 275 to 325 range. It's like, whoa! I bet that that house is going to get a lot of interest, you know, over this weekend. And that market is different than I had another client get an accepted offer 
out in Waukesha County. That house had been on the market for 22 days by the Whoa, time. Oh, that sounds like forever. Well, so, and I'll just, one dynamic that I've seen recently, what do I want to call it? The weekend effect. It's the seller does not want to leave the weekend and roll into the next week or weekend. Because then I'm going to say there's With, blood in the Without water. an offer. Okay, without yeah. an offer. Okay. Without they want to get that offer the first weekend that they're out there. On. That makes sense. Well, and as you had referenced, our friend Isam had said, you got to price correctly because otherwise you look injured uh, yeah. as a seller if you're rolling into a second or a third weekend. And so I've had some clients go after properties that are in that category and they're still paying you know at listing or maybe a little discount again the listing price is a made-up number i would just go back to that these i just described two markets that are so different from each other that's why you need a great buyer's agent as well by the way hey let's do this when we come back the average days on market uh in the milwaukee metro area was 21 days you just mentioned wauwatosa uh, that, on average, only took seven days. Let me give you the rundown of the other fastest-selling markets when we come back. You're listening to the Academic Mortgage and Realty Show on Wisconsin's radio station, AM620, WTMJ. Getting you into the home of your dreams. Here's more of the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. We're back. I'm Brian Wickert, the older, and that's uh, David Wickert, the younger over there. Uh, thanks for tuning in today. We were just talking about how fast are properties selling in the five-county metro Milwaukee area. Uh, and in the month of July, looking at the multiple listing service data, uh, some of the fastest, kind of counting it down, the city, this is by municipality, and it combines single family and condos together. And this is measuring the number of days between going on the market and getting an accepted offer. That's called continuous days on market. Mm -hmm. uh, the city of Waukesha was at 12 days. Uh, tied for 11 days were Vernon and Glendale. By the way, my other criteria is at least 10 sales in the month. Shoreward and Greenfield were at 10 days. We've got West Dallas and Germantown at nine days. Greendale at eight days. Tied at seven days is Whitefish Bay, our Whitefish Bay, Wauwatosa and Franklin. And the market leader, are you ready? Cudahy with an average continuous days on market of only five days. Whew. Uh, whew, that's that's a uh, well, pretty brisk pace. What do you say about that, David? Well, so it's um, if you're about to roll into double digits for days on market, I think buyers are maybe becoming more aware of that aging inventory, I'm going to call it. Um, and, and, and for my clients in particular, these houses for sale that are taking maybe a couple extra days is they need a little love. Like that's no accident that as you, you know, are on the market for a couple more days, there's a, re there's a reason. Yeah. You're not if, that totally cherry listing of everything's yeah. perfect. Yeah. Okay. I gotcha. Um, couple of other interesting nuggets here, in addition to the speed that things are selling, um, how, what do you want to take a wild guess? What do you, percentage of single family detached homes with cash offers in July? 20%? Boom, boom, 19.2. Okay. So we're going to give that to you. Uh, what about condos? Of, of condos, how many of those were cash offers? Let me yeah. say a, th a third. 41%. And so 
and this is interesting, 41% of condos were cash offers. Now, that doesn't mean they didn't go out and get a mortgage, but they were written as cash offers. The average sales price for a cash condo was three sixty-five in July. Yeah. Um, that, that surprised me. And by the way, though, on average, now, these can be misleading, uh, the cash condo buyers paid 1% more than asking. Uh, half of the condo buyers uh, used conventional fixed rate financing and on, on average paid $293,000, also paid 1% over asking. Um, only six out of 100 condo buyers in July in the entire five county metro area used an adjustable rate mortgage. Uh, they paid 3% over asking. By the way, that amounts to exactly 18 buyers that got adjustable rate mortgages. Do you want to speak to why adjustable rate mortgages have not been a good option in this rate cycle, David? Yes. Quickly? Okay. So there's money that is lent in the short term and money that is lent for the long term. Fixed rate mortgages generally are expected to stick around anywhere from seven to 10 years. And and that interest rate has an expectation. Hey, do we think we're going to get a handle on inflation over the course of the next decade? Yeah. Short-term money is more expensive because we kind of don't really have a grip on inflation right now. And adjustable rate mortgages through that shorter time frame. And so an adjustable rate mortgage is needs to quantify or offset the higher cost of inflation now in the sooner time period. Mm -hmm. And so there's no relief if adjustable rate mortgages, because kind of when you get an adjustable rate mortgage, most people don't hang on to it long enough for it to That's actually right. adjust. So the lender is expecting to actually get that money back before it adjusts, which means they need to not lose against inflation in the near term, which is why the rate needs to be higher. To Did I do that briefly? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to put one other little twist on that. Hey, banks right now are paying like 5% on deposits. Yeah. You can't make a, a, a lot of money. Uh, if they're paying pay you 5% on your deposit, they need to go lend that at 6, 7, 8. No, I was going to say 6.5 or 7, <laughs> which is why they prefer the home equity line of credit, which is lent at the prime rate right now, which is at 8.5. Maybe yeah. maybe some are lending at less than the prime rate, but you know you'd rather make eight percent on your money if you're the bank lending the money than six and a half, right? So that that's why adjustable rate mortgages have not been the cure for this particular uh, interest rate cycle. All right, what else do we want to say about market conditions? Uh, we our, our general advice is that I think it's better to buy now. Why? Hey. Yes, you, you might have a higher rate than what you like, but the chances are still highly likely that you're going to be able to refinance that at some point in the not too distant future. And and, and in the meantime, it. you get to live in the house is what I and, also point out to my clients. And, and, the, and the price of the house stops going up. All right, let's talk about a couple of your uh, purchase transactions uh, from this week or the last couple of weeks, David, when yeah. we come back and see what people are really doing and facing to get into the promised land, to get into the winner's circle. Hey, we'll be right back after we hand it off now to the WTMJ News Center. Don't break the bank to get into a house. Back to the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. Back to the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show. Thanks for tuning in today. Hey, while we were on that news break, I was able to find online the latest Zillow Future Home Value Index. So the only 
people that I know, the only entity that I know that actually sticks their neck out and on a metropolitan statistical area basis says, here's what we think home prices are going to be worth a year from now. Mm -hmm. And so uh, in the great state of Wisconsin, in June of 2024, uh, Zillow thinks that home values are going to be up between 3.3% and 6.5%, depending on where you are. In the, uh, in the Milwaukee and Madison oh. area, we're right around 4% in terms of their forecast. Way at the top, you got Whitewater. Uh, they forecast to be up 6.5, Manitowoc 6.2, Fond du Lac 6.1, and uh, Green Bay 6%. So don't take it from us. We're just telling <laughs> you, you know, yeah. back of the napkin economists, David and Brian Wickard think that the supply-demand ratio is going to continue to push up home prices and values, and Zillow also agrees. All right, David, so this week in home shopping, what are you experiencing that our listeners could benefit from? Yeah, so uh, one theme that has come up a couple times recently is, and I, I've begun to describe it as this, when you're buying a house, the formula, it's only half about you, buyer, and the other half is about the property itself. Ooh, one recent, yeah. one uh, specific example we had was our colleague Brad Kramer had a home shopper in Florida yep. who wrote us a fantastic note even after we weren't able to help them close and buy their house. It was a condo. Yes. Uh, and the reason why they as a buyer... We're awesome. Great incomes. Great down payment. Could have paid cash, if I recall the story. Could have paid cash, okay. if, I, if I recall the story correct. But uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac really care about how any is run. And in this case, it was a question about insurance. And this, the, the, the headline is, this condo association did not have sufficient insurance for their entire structure, for their entire association. And that was a full stop for underwriting that there, there was some risk on this property itself and some home shoppers you know i would be personally i would i could get frustrated and i would understand that feeling right it's like hey i qualify to buy this place but again it's only half about me as a buyer the other half is the property itself so let me let me give a little bit more detail there in this particular case the cost to replace all the condominium buildings, and I don't remember if it was 10 buildings or five, it was a fairly large project, was $20 million. The association was only carrying insurance for $17 million. There was a $3 million shortage. If the whole thing got, you know, tumbled down or ruined by a hurricane, yeah. they were $3 million short. And so that is something that lenders stick their nose into these days. And in fact, we're sticking our nose even deeper on other issues now related to safety and soundness, which all comes out of the Surfside condo in Florida collapsing now two years ago, I think it was. Uh, there is more scrutiny now being given to condominiums in particular about issues like inspections and special assessments and reserves mm -hmm. and all kinds of stuff. So you can expect to see that um, come up more often if you're in the market to buy a condo. But in this particular case, the buyer decided, well, I don't want to get involved with that because the association decided, yeah, we're not going to get the extra insurance, even though right. we brought it to their intention, 
to their attention. We had another situation similarly where the association did, once we pointed out to them that they were short on their insurance coverage, uh, different situation, they decided, yeah, you know what, we're going to get the extra coverage. So that's one example. You had another one of a unique property uh, where it had more than one uh, home on the on the acreage. How is that turning out? Uh, TBD and and kind of again in the same theme. It these individual buyers slam dunk, great income, great down payment. But about this, you know, it's hard to find comparable homes at a high you know value, high purchase price with some unique aspects like acreage and uh, additional units on the property. Boring well, is better. What I what I was yeah. telling this client, boring is better when it comes to mortgage lending, which is why well, if we're lending in a subdivision, that can be a slam dunk because there's probably 200 other houses that are probably similar to yours. What the lending world cares about is, hey, if we get this property back in foreclosure, what do we think we can sell it for? Right. That's ultimately the reason why the lending mortgage industry gets appraisals is we want to make sure if we get stuck with the property, do we have a reasonable expectation we can sell it and and recoup our mortgage amount. And the more unique a property is, you know, what the appraiser is forced to do is make really big adjustments. Like, okay, this one sold for $500,000, but I'm making $200,000 worth of adjustments to try to get it to reconcile to the one you're buying. I I had that client describe, so you're trying to fit a star-shaped thing into a square hole, a star-shaped peg into a square hole, When, particularly when you've got unique properties and trying to compare them to other properties. Yep. Bigger down payment helps in that particular case. All right, you got another story to share with us? If you don't, I've got one. When we come back, you're listening to the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show on AM620 WTMJ. Important home buying questions and answers you can count on. This is the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. Welcome back to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show. I'm David. That's Brian over there. Dad, I've had two recent examples of traveling nurses who want to go and buy a house. Uh, And one... Uh, the most recent one has a happy ending, and I want to tell you that one first. So they, yeah, yeah, let's go with the happy ending ones, right? please. So, so they uh, spoke to them late last week. They're interested in a particular property. Huzzah! We can make that happen. For the last, let's call it one, two, three years, they've been taking different contracts, you know, at different hospitals regionally. And I sometimes like to say there can be a big disconnect between real life and mortgage life. Yeah. In real life, they're making money. They're working at hospitals, helping people. But in mortgage life, what's tough, they were working through several different agencies, placing them into these different contracts. And there is emphasis on the word contract. They conclude you know, at some point you're done and you might move on to your next traveling nurse opportunity. Yes, sir. You do these people uh, get paid on a W two, like a normal employee or do they get 1099 independent contractor income? A lawyerly answer. It depends. It depends on the contract. And so the good news is what, what I was afraid I was going to have to say was, you know what? I know you're working, but I don't think I'm going to be able to use 
your traveling nurse income. We have, I just want to say out loud, we have figured that out, but the, their circumstances, I was afraid that I was going to have to say, I don't think I can use, I know you're working, but I don't think I can use that income to help you qualify for the mortgage. Why? Why would you have not, why would you have not been able to use their income? Well, the first one, unfortunately, was that they were a couple. One of them did not currently have a contract, so they didn't have income that I could point at. Okay. Uh, so that was one. But the second one, the, the part of the reason why I was saved was they just took a new position working for a large medical uh, you know, provider here in southeastern Wisconsin. As a direct employee, ah. W-2 income, starting in the next month. Okay. Kind of what I'm going to say, concluding their traveling um, chapters. And the client made a funny remark to me. They said, you're telling me that I, you can help me qualify for a mortgage using a job I haven't started yet, but may have difficulty with the work I've already done, the money I've already made that's in my bank account before. And I said, yes. Well said, sir. Well said. Well, and part of this is, so if you end up, if you were a W-2 nurse, you know, let's say you were working at a hospital system and then you decide, you know what, I want some adventure in my life. I want to travel around and become a traveling nurse or, you know, fill in the blank. And all of a sudden you start getting paid on a 1099. That's a different IRS form. In the eyes of the mortgage world, you just became self-employed. Right. Over time, over history, self-employed income is less stable than W-2 income. Well, you have to you, know. you have to show some consistency. Uh, so we're looking for a two-year track record of self-employed income to be reflected on your tax return. So that's that's this weird world that we live in. But hey, you know what? We're really good at it, and and sometimes we solve problems in different ways maybe you know in certain circumstances maybe we can get by without that particular borrower's income you know we'll leave it off because then we get to right. also leave off that borrower's debts maybe they have a big car loan maybe they've got giant student loans how many times have we done that where we have excluded a borrower in order to make uh the numbers work uh, in other cases our favorite thing is when the when the borrowers are over 59 and a half years old uh, and if they have IRAs, not 401ks, yes. but if they have IRAs, we can turn that IRA pile of money into qualifying income mm -hmm. and save the day. We just did that for one of my friends uh, buying a property, a second home uh, in Florida. So it's all about the problem solving. Well, I'm going to say translating, translating their real life into how can we make this fit into help. I've described mortgage lending as pass fail. There's no, uh, whether you win by one or you win by a hundred, it's figuring out how can we win. No, that's a good, that's a, a very good analogy. All right. We've got a couple more stories from the front lines of buying homes and we'll get to those when we come back. You're listening to the Academic Mortgage and Realty Show on AM620 WTMJ. Find a place to call home without the headache. This is the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickard on WTMJ. Welcome back to the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show, and thanks again for tuning in. So, David, I was um, riding shotgun or as consultant for a good friend of mine who is selling their property, 
in the higher range of things, in the in the upper end, in the over eight hundred thousand dollar range in Waukesha County, wow. and uh, as you were saying, buyer, I'm sorry, sellers love to get things done in the first weekend, and so they went out of town and put the market up. You know, previewed it. I think starting on Wednesday with the pictures and said you can have showings starting on Friday, and we're gonna yeah. try to wrap things up by Sunday. Well, wouldn't you know? They got at least three offers. Um, one of them was a quasi cash offer. Well, it said cash offer. There was no financing contingency on it. Uh, but then what you're supposed to do with a cash offer, according to the Wisconsin Offer to Purchase form, is to either is to provide some evidence. That's what you were talking about before this last break. Show me the evidence that you really are a cash. The Jerry Maguire clause. Yeah. Show, show me the money. And so typically what you would do is you'd have a letter from your financial advisor or your stockbroker or your bank that says, hey, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith actually do have $800,000 in the bank or in their account and, and they can you access know, they are it. cash buyers. Yeah. That doesn't keep them from getting a mortgage. Okay, right. they can still, yeah. still go out and get a mortgage. Um, what I've seen personally in some cases when I've sold properties is the buyer gives me a actual copy of their asset statement and they just blank out the account number. <laughs> okay, I, I, you are proving that you really have the cash. Yeah. In this particular case, they included the buyer included an email from their bank saying, you're qualified to write a cash offer. <sighs> what does that mean? Wait, what? Yeah, I, oh, thank you for that opinion, counselor. But it was from a high executive, and okay, so that was one thing. So it wasn't the best of cash offers, cash ish, cash ish. Okay, another one was from a large national lender that has their. Uh, it had a pre-approval letter, uh -huh. uh, pretty pretty big down payment, uh, no appraisal contingency, uh, but. On the pre-approval letter from the large national lender that has their name on a baseball stadium in the state that's just south of ours, uh, <laughs> it said, we have verified your credit. We have verified your income. We have run it through automated underwriting, and you are that good. What was it missing? The down payment. Exactly. So what good is, you know, I don't remember the loan amount. Let's We've call it 500000 You have a job. Oh, right. Okay. What good is saying you're approved for a $500,000 mortgage on an 800000 ish purchase price if you haven't verified the down payment? Thus, this is the theme of this segment is other mortgage lenders' pre-approvals are not very good. Yeah. And the third void. one that they had didn't say anything. They had a pre-approval letter actually from a out-of-town lender, and it didn't say it verified anything more than their credit. So this is the kind of competitive situation that we are born to help our buyers win and look the best in the eyes of the seller. Oh, yeah, let me turn it around. If, yeah. if working with Acunet Mortgage, we can tell you the weakness of other buyers out there and the pre-approvals they are using. The threshold is low on you being the best, most competitive buyer any seller is hoping for because i think if our if your friend had been presented with an acunate mortgage rock solid pre-approval they would have felt so much better about that offer rather than the flim flam that they received they they might have taken the one with the mortgage contingency had it said uh we verified your down payment because i believe at least at the onset that offer was a little higher 
right? Yeah. And, and, and so they, that Sellers person- Sellers are not afraid of a mortgage contingency. I mean, for the right price. Yeah, and the, and the write down payment and all that other stuff, which is where we're really good. So ultimately, they, they ended up going with the cash-ish uh, offer because it was cash-ish enough. Did they reduce the ish? Mm, uh, not really. The... Okay. Not really. It's just like, hey, you know what? They don't have an appraisal contingency. They don't have, you know, a financing contingency. So I bet they show it up. It kind of doesn't, ma doesn't matter what the letter says. You know, yeah, it, it was better than the other one they have. All right. That's all the time we have for today's show. Thanks for spending part of your Sunday with us. And uh, we'll see you again here next week. You've been listening to the Academic Mortgage and Realty Show on AM620 WTMJ. The proceeding was a paid program. Advice and opinions expressed during the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show are solely that of the hosts or guests of Acunet Mortgage and Acunet Realty Advisors and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC.